Hello, everybody. Before we start today's podcast, I just want to talk about our charity spotlight, magickids.org. Magickids.org is a 501c3 charity based out of Rochester, Minnesota. They have a goal of putting your unused cards to work to help educate kids on how to play Magic the Gathering. They believe teaching a kid Magic the Gathering will help them with important life skills like critical thinking, reading, and math. They send out these kits from your donated cards called Magic Kits eh, to volunteer teachers and mentors to use to then teach the kids. The, the teachers and mentors use the Magic Kids curriculum called Sort, Build, Play. And what that is, is when the teachers receive the kits, the kids then go through the kits to sort the cards to become more familiar with the cards, see what they like. They then use those cards that they like to build a deck, and then they use those decks to play each other. Sort, build, play. Now, there are a couple ways that you can help out Magic Kids by donating your unused cards, sending some money their way, or becoming a volunteer, mentor, or teacher. To learn more about them and get some more information on how to donate your cards, money, or your time, go check them out at magickids.org or follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And from that, let's hit the intro. Welcome, Welcome to This Week in MTG with your host, Matt Olson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This Week in MTG, your aggregate news source for all things Magic the Gathering. I am your host, Matt Olson. With me tonight, we have Danny Oakstead. Yolo. And to my right, we have the Janky Boggle. Hey there. We got a good amount of news and stuff coming for you, uh, coming up for you guys. Uh, we got event results to talk about. We got about the we got the upcoming events to talk about. BNR and. We'll hit the news, finance section, and close off with Deck of the Week like always. Sounds like a plan, Stan. So let's just jump right on into this weekend's, this last weekend's event results. So this last weekend, we had Magic Fest Leon, and it was won by, going to start off by saying, I apologize that I'm going to butcher the crap out of this name. Biagio Rukio won Grand Prix standard edition with his spicy mono red deck and people say mono red can't win shit mono red's actually in a decent place right now it looks like took fourth place and then there's 22nd the 24th 37th 48th 51st yeah this one it's actually pretty pretty good for mono red also in the top eight we had uh, a team of rec- reclamation, Sultai mid range, Bant ramp, Racto sacrifice, another Bant ramp, and another Racto sacrifice deck. Good to see that there's a bit of diversity there in standard still. And then there's a bunch of regionals that happened this last weekend. Uh, we will specifically talk about the one that JB and I attended to, SEG Regionals Minneapolis. Hey JB, how did you do? We're we're just not going to talk about that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Mr. Boggles didn't do well. No, the Boggles were not with me, not at all. The deck that won that whole event was Titan Ramp, piloted by Jackson Hicks. Also in the top eight, there were two Jun decks, a Heliod Company deck, an Infect deck, a Grixis Shadow, Mardu Pyromancer, and a Mono White Hate Bears. That is a pretty diverse mo- uh, modern meta right there, at least for uh, regionals Minneapolis was. It was super cool. It was a really good time. Uh, I know I enjoyed myself a lot. I got 63rd place there running a a Grixis Rhinos deck, which is a very, very fun, <laughs> a really fun deck that I enjoy- I've been enjoying playing. And for my first event ever, taking 63rd, not bad. You should have played my one on red. You would have gotten fifth. <laughs> Just kidding. I have no idea how you would have done. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking I'm, I should have just went with death and taxes, but I might have done a little better. Who knows? I was just getting screwed on the hands. Mulliganing down to four and five every time. It kind of hurts you. 
Well, you, you, you with that with boggles, you really only have your boggles and then attach everything to them. So if you don't get your equipment that you need, well, you're SOL because you that's really your only win con in yep. that deck. So yeah, it's very linear. Play mono red, burn control. No, or beat your face. No, no, I'm not a red. And then top guy. deck. Oh, I top deck more than enough with boggles. Trust me. <laughs> I top I, deck all the time with that thing. I've seen it. That's where he gets beat. So we have some upcoming events. The first one of note is Magic Fest Detroit happening the 13th through the 15th this weekend. It is going to be a standard GP, but of course they will have uh, Pioneer and some modern uh, side events going on as well, along with the Command Zone coming back to play commander and all that stuff so the next event is seg baltimore which is a pioneer event mm-hmm. so we're gonna see how gonna see how pioneer plays out here this weekend as well inverter fest yeah maybe inverter is going to be taken at home since there was no bands in pioneer <gasps> you don't know that spoiler alert we haven't even gotten over the bands yet. I was I was trying to give you a good segue there. Well, you know what? You didn't take it. I don't like that segue. It's gone. I know. <laughs> Just like Oko. <laughs> See, there you go. You gave yourself an in, and you're not even taking it. So speaking of Oko being gone, I'll just go directly to him. He has now been moved from suspended in MTG Arena Historic to being completely banned i guess i'm not really surprised oko is just broken he's now available in legacy and vintage only i believe and commander yeah i was gonna say well, he hasn't commander, I suppose. commander yet well there's so many different ways around them commander but anyway going back so the f- top of the list is golos tireless pilgrim he's been banned in brawl i don't know if you guys ever played Brawl or not, I, I guess I haven't really. No, I haven't really done too much with it. I haven't put played my toes Brawl in either. that format either. Um, moving on, back to Historic on MTG Arena. We have Once Upon a Time has been moved from suspended to banned, along with Veil of Summer. Now, here's something interesting. We have Field of the Dead becoming legal again. Actually, it wasn't illegal. It was just suspended. Um, again, those are all four, last four were from Historic in MCG Arena. Um, Legacy, Underworld Breached has been banned. And Once Upon a Time is banned in Modern. So these bans go in effect on, I guess, today in Tabletop and Magic Online. And then the MTG Historic Bands go live on the 12th. So with a little context with at least the legacy ban of Underworld Breach, quoted in Wizards article, since the release of Theros Beyond Death, we've watched the evolution of combination decks that revolve around the interaction between Underworld Breach, Lion's Eye Diamond, and Brain Freeze. In many cases, we'd allow a new breakout combo deck sometime to see if the metagame can adapt. But as these decks were refined, it became clear from the rising rising win rates that Underworld Breach's interaction with Lionized Diamond would remain problematic in Legacy going forward. Rather than allowing these decks to become a large part of the competitive metagame before likely still needing to make a change in the near future, we've chosen to ban Underworld Breach now. Boom. Underworld Breach is that red one enchantment that's allows you to cast spells from your non-land spells from your graveyard as though they had escape for their mana cost and then you exile three additional cards and the whole thing with that i'm pretty sure we talked about it with lion's eye diamond and brain freeze at one point in an episode but lion's eye diamond is a zero mana artifact you sack it discard your hand add three mana of any one color to your mana pool and then Brain Freeze is a blue one instant. Target player puts the top three cards of his or library into their graveyard, and it has Storm. So the way to make this work is you 
be you will be casting Lion's Eye Diamond again from your graveyard, and then Brain Freeze uh, from your graveyard as well, and you bring it back, make another, and then you'd cast Brain Freeze to mill yourself three and keep the loop going because the Storm Trigger would go because they're still a cast and mill yourself out and then go with Athasa's Oracle. And that's how you win. Again, why isn't Thoughts' Oracle being banned? Because it's in the new set. Still. And then you need to sell packs. I get that. Everyone's probably wondering why there's no bans in Pioneer. They say that they're generally happy with the Pioneer metagame in the past several weeks with the player, uh, the three-player tours that they had the, and some Magic Online data says that the matchups of the most popular decks are in a healthy place, each having both won and lost matchups against each other. They are still aware, they say, quote, however, we are aware of community concern of some of the new combos that broke out around the time of Players Tour, including Demir Inverter deck, the Lotus Breach deck, and the Heliod Suncrown plus Walking Ballista combo. In general, we're okay with combo having a presence in, pine, in the Pioneer meta, but it is certainly possible to have combos that are too strong or too prevalent. Combo decks can be unhealthy in large doses, especially when they're difficult to interact with, with win quickly or win too often. They went to some MTGO leagues, gathered up data. Demir Inverter had a 49% win rate against non-Mir matches and has unfavorable matchups against five of the other 10 most played decks. Lotus Breach decks have been at an even lower win rate with more favorable matchups against the other top decks. This is especially true post-sideboarding when many decks have access to Damping Sphere. And Damping Sphere is a two-mana artifact that reads whenever a land is tapped for one or more mana, it creates a colorless mana instead. And it also reads whenever a player casts more than one spell, they have to pay another mana for that spell. Love that card. Yeah. Essentially, Wizards is saying, according to their data and MTGO results, they're fine with everything that's happening in Pioneer. But they're definitely still going to be keeping an eye on it, it sounds like. But it's just so bizarre that, you know, after players' tours, all of them had a high percentage of Demir Inverters in the top eight. And uh, with them going off of MTGO leagues and them uh, Demir Inverter having a 49% non-Mir match win rate, that's really close to that 50% win rate that's where they're finding. Like w when they start having problems is when it gets into the 60% win rates and stuff. Statistics say Demir Inverter is in an okay place. And I don't know, I'm, I'm a believer of letting the metagame be able to find responses to these kind of decks. I mean, that's the thing too, is you gotta, it can't just be a quick, oh, well, this is an impressive deck, we just need to ban it. We just need to ban it. We just need to ban it. No, you also need to be able to change up your deck and adapt to things too. I think a lot of the people that are just screaming for instant bans all the time are people that just don't want to change their decks. They don't want to adapt. They're stuck in their ruts, I think. And I know people people do that. I get that way sometimes with some of my decks, but then you just get tired of getting your butt kicked, and then you're like, okay, I got to adapt to this. I got to change some stuff up. That's what makes magic amazing, the ability to adapt. And I feel that they're still pretty good tools and stuff for these kind of decks because you have in in pioneer you have hush uh hushwing hushbringer hush hush and i think hushwing griff is another card that is also pioneer legal and that also stops etbs oh. and it's a flash speed i know which one you're thinking of from excellent the Takatli honor guard there we go and Takatli yep. honor guard is the other one so white has ways to deal with it and then just straight up countering the Thassa's Oracle or Demir Inverter. They're, you still got counters that you can use. And oh, I know I had like a list in my head earlier this week of cards that could get around Demir Inverter, at least post or, uh, po post sideboard, you know. Burn. <laughs> yeah, or just... I'm just burn. That's all, that's all I ever do. Just it's, beat their face before they can even cast it. Basically, you... you you're running a sprint. They're running a marathon. Y you got to get your 10 meters before they get their 
26 miles, 26.3 miles. White weenie. I'll do 14 for one. There you go. I think also in that uh, article too, didn't they say they weren't planning on anything band-wise for Pioneer until after the, what was it, Players Tour Houston? Yep. yep. In April? Late April is when they're they're going to be looking for that one. So pretty pretty much now till Houston, Pioneer's very exploring space. Well, Find out what can take down uh, Lotus Field and Mirror Inverter and stuff and see how the metagame evolves. Yeah. Well, you got to think, how old is Pioneer now? Six months? Something like that, yeah. So it's still a baby compared to everything else. Yeah, but I mean, they already rolled off of their aggressive banning platform now so oh well, yeah i mean but i mean it now it's time to just start scouring scryfall and it's adapting well yeah it's a new format they have to let it blossom before they can trim it for yeah you can't cut the top of the tree off before it grows exactly and from here i think we move over into the meat and potatoes and as always we start off with the blogatog of the week Bum, bum, bum. Copyright sound effect. We're getting sued. We have from Mono Purple Contraptions asked, "What's your stance on banana bread?" Mark's response: The fact that you had to ask tells me I've failed somehow because I feel the need to educate. It's an abomination of bread. At least that's my take on it. Do you agree, Matt? I love banana bread. Yeah, banana bread's the best thing ever. As long as it does not have walnuts. Oh, no, it's even better when it's got walnuts. No. Walnuts wreck everything. No. Walnuts are bomb. Walnuts will wreck everything. And that's my stance. Now we're going to move into the news quickies here. We got a couple interesting things. This one is very cool, I think. People are thinking... And it's kind of got a little proof behind it that the next signature spellbook is going to be Chandra. Whoop, whoop. There's a, there's a post on Reddit created by user Bolt Snap Bolt U last week. Had the link to the signature spellbook Chandra. And what happens is when you click the link, it says you are not authorized to access this page. So... What makes this important is the WPN homepage, whenever you insert an incorrect link that or, or a, a link of products that don't exist, it redirects you right to the WPN homepage. And this one, when you click the link, it says you are not authorized to access this page. And so people are like, maybe this is this is the next one. This this is definitive proof that this is the next spellbook at Chandra. I mean, I wouldn't say definitive, but it would make sense because she was just the face of Core 20. And who was the last one? Gideon? Yeah, we've only had well, Gideon. Gideon was because he died. Well, yeah, I get that. But, I mean, it was Gideon before it was Jace. Yep. And that was it for Spellbooks. Yep. It makes sense. Chandra's, I guess, the next within the originals. Yep. She was Core 20's big face so yep. it would just makes sense especially with the release of all the special chandra themed ultra pro stuff and everything like that would make sense connect the dots just wait for teferis <laughs> five mana you can't cast any more spells for the rest of the game oh all right so we're gonna talk quick next so the next news quickie that we have is there is gonna be a new metal power metal band that is magic related the band is a new power metal project featuring current and past members of a band called helion prime that explores the lore and the pop of the popular tabletop game magic the gathering they uh the band is called planeswalkers they're looking to drop their sig uh their first single later this year and an album and then going to start touring in 2021 you can give them a follow on Facebook, facebook.com slash Planeswalker Metal, or on Instagram, Planeswalker Sozo Jason. So the two members of Helion Prime that set up this project are Sozos, Michael, and Jason Ashcraft. 
they both are very into the world and lore of magic. Uh, they are also very interested in sci-fi. In the, uh, the they're interested in like uh, if this uh, if this project sounds anything like Helion Prime. This is my first time hearing about them. Is because of this. I went and listened to Helion Prime. They are super good power sci-fi metal stuff, man. And now our next quickie that we have is uh, is another news news thing from Reddit. Gavin Verhey commented on the first look at the mystery booster foils tomorrow post that was put on the Magic TCG subreddit. Gavin Verhey. There were people talking about uh, Fetchlands on there, and then Gavin Verhey chimed in with... Basically, he said Fetchlands will eventually be reprinted, yep, but it's a five-year process. So ten years down the road, maybe we'll get one. And you'd have to do five. They're wizards, man. They do, it at, they do what they want. But they'd have an outcry if they did just one. They'll do them in secret layer drops. One at a time. But then it would never be legal. With special art. Because is Secret Lair, are they legal in like modern or pioneer? The, yeah, yeah, they're, I mean, they're... Printed, uh, are they? Yeah, they're I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure, like, unsanctioned kind of stuff. No, they're legal wherever that card is legal. Okay, I just wasn't sure. Yeah, it's just like the promo arts, you know, alternate arts. Oh, yeah, like I that. get that. But, I mean... It's essentially, they're just a prettied up version. Yeah. Next on next to the topics that we're going to talk about is the full mystery booster foil card list is now revealed. Uh, there are 121 foil cards in the mystery booster packs, and the whole list of cards got announced. And we are going to read all of them. <laughs> Said no one. Not going to read all of them. We'll There's have the link oh. in the description if you want to read all of the card names. Come on, our fans need the news. They will, in links, in this case. A couple good ones uh, that are going to be getting printed, uh, that are getting a foil, is something like... Amulet of Vigor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Intruder Alarm from 8th Edition. Mindslaver is getting a foil. All these ones have had, not all of them, uh, most of these have had foils already. Ooh, Goblin Bushwhacker's coming back. Has Soccer Tribe Scout ever got a foil? Yeah, because that was um, Saviors of Kamigawa. That's what SOK is. Okay. And then the last thing we're going to talk about in the news is the MTG Arena State of the Game for March 2020. This got posted on March 5th. Their updates include the historic anthology that is going to be coming out, adding 25 cards to MTG Arena. Uh, we mentioned this last week because one of the cards that's coming is Thalia. And reminder on that, the Thalia Secret Lair Drop series is coming out the 13th. 13th as well. I'm excited for that. Yeah. The historic event schedule coming up because of this drop. We got historic ranked happening March 12th through April 16th. Historic traditional ranked March 12th through April 16th. And then those workshops are getting started here. Uh, we have Heirlooms of History. I know we talked about the workshops a couple weeks ago, I think it was. So the workshop of Heirlooms of History, and, and what these are is just a uh, quick reminder, is a way to play the game without having to worry about deck construction. They give you like pre-set-up things. and Yeah, they give you pre-built decks, usually between two to three. Then we have Erebos's Momir of Death, uh, which is Historic Brawl, happening March 12th through March 23rd. Historic Popper, going from March 28th to April 4th. And then Historic Challenge, April 11th to April 13th. See, we already talked about that. So the next thing that's coming up in Arena is direct messaging, messages from strangers and stuff. Which Darn it. So you can't heckle your opponent yet. Nope. Ah. Oh. No, you only get five choices. And also with this, you nice. they'll be adding the ability to flag yourself as busy or offline. Like what that sounds like, there'll be when someone clicks on their friend list, they see your name, it'll say that you're busy. 
if you said it was busy or you'll look like you're offline and you're actually online. Let's see. The color challenges. So you're just trying to ghost your friends then? Going offline? Ooh. Must be. You can earn quest progress by challenging your friends now. Nice, well, nice. Before you couldn't do that. That's nice. I like that. Just play the same friends over <laughs> and over and over and over. <laughs> Screw the bots and other people. I'm just going to play my friends now. It's, it's just like uh, Xbox achievements. Just go with your friends that aren't friends and just be in the same party. There you go. Just have them carry you. Exactly. That's what we did in Neverwinter. Heck yeah. I played with a couple a friend of mine and he had friends that are level 60s so it's like oh level 2 okay I'll just carry with these guys yeah so along with the update on direct messaging and being able to flag yourself as busy or offline they have new emotes that are coming to as they say to, uh, they're adding two new dynamic responses for those of you who like to mind your manners of thanks and sorry both options will appear for a few seconds in response to another emote. For example, if your opponent says, nice, in response to your play, you'll have the option to say, uh, when you click on yourself to open up your emote where it says, nice, it'll then say, thanks, in response. So you'll be able to respond to someone saying, nice, with thanks, or if someone says, oops, you could say, sorry, and these are totally just going to be a way of just adding more salt to the dish of your opponent. You know, like, I don't know. I think emotes are definitely a way to, like, throw out salt and stuff. Like, if they're cranky or upset with a, with a certain play that just happened. Oh, like the people that uh, just constantly spam good game yep. five turns before they even win. And then they don't win. Yeah. So just remember, there is a mute function for those emotes. <laughs> I don't know. I've I've had someone dip with fourteen life. Yeah. I had one spell. I think I had a. I think I had. Uh, I'd run away on the battlefield. Oh yeah. Not even not even counter. And I'd cast run away. Next turn he just dips. <laughs> oh yeah. I have people scoop all the time. <laughs> it's like I had a run away. He's a one one, and you dipped. Mind you, I probably had like 14 to 15 damage in my hand, but still. Oh, yeah. That was fun. That was funny. There's also Cube Sealed coming to Arena soon. Ooh. So they know that everybody wants Cube Draft, and they want it too. The goal for Cube Draft with the cards and pack collation we intend to use, we don't believe it would be a fun environment for drafting with bots so you can probably guess that we need to implement what we need to implement first which is live drafting which is on their roadmap for later this year so as soon as live drafting becomes a thing then drafting cube draft will be a thing so sealed cube is coming so would that be something that you're sitting in queue until your cube gets filled or is that going to be something, oh, hey, let's get eight friends together and go into this one, I guess, server block as a party and cube it up? It does not say here, but I imagine that you'd be able to have both options where you go and sit in a queue or if you got enough friends to get together, you'd be able to do one. So with this uh, cube sealed, it's uh, phantom drafting, meaning that you don't keep those cards that you open in those packs. It's a cheaper way for you just to like get to play games and get some rewards of coins. Well, it looks like he had cards too. Or it's probably more of alternate arts or templates for those cards. Looking off of the picture that they show. So they're going to have more details coming out later this month about that. And I think from there, we're going to get ready and move to our finance section. And with our finance section, we always look to MTG Stocks. It is a fabulous website that has price data on all cards, all copies, all versions of them. It shows a nice little graph next to the card. 
of of their highs and their lows that they have achieved uh, when the market has jumped up and jumped down, etc. So for the week, the last week of March 5th, uh, quick side note here, uh, we record Monday night. Uh, the MTG stocks comes out. I did this backwards. They're a great website. Okay. So what we do is we read off their weekly winners article that comes out every Friday. We record Monday night, so prices from their Friday article will change, and we'll let you know if that's a if that's a factor. But we read from those weekly art. But we read from those those weekly winner articles, and for this last week of weekly winners, our first weekly winner, surprisingly, two weeks in a row, we have Doomsday on here. This is that black, black, black sorcery of search your library and graveyard for five cards of your choice. Remove the rest from the game. Put the chosen cards on top of your library in any order. You lose half your life rounded up. This is that whole legacy Thassa's Oracle thing all over again. So it's jumping up in price. But this week is different from last week. Last week was the Weatherlight edition, which was jumping up. And now this is the sixth edition car printing that is jumping up because last week, it was still pretty stagnant. It was climbing slowly, but now it's spiked. So does this have anything to do with the coronavirus and all the doomsday preppers that are buying out all the toilet paper? <laughs> doomsday is just under $18 right now. It has, the, it has jumped up 115%. Next card on the list is Gideon of the Trials. It has a 46.86% increase. It is now sitting at 2363. It's a uh, 1-2 white Planeswalker. Starts off with three loyalty counters. It's plus one until end of your turn. Until, until, the ne- until your next turn, prevent all damage. Target permanent would deal. It has two zero costs. Or two zero loyals. First one, until end of turn, Gideon of the Trial becomes a 4-4 human soldier creature with indestructible that's still a planeswalker. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn. It's other zero. You get an emblem with as long as you control Gideon planeswalker. You can't lose the game, and your opponents can't win the game. So this card is, uh, is a pioneer staple. It is ranked 29th place on a list of most placed cards, most played cards in the format, and it sees play in 16 different decks. A couple, uh, a couple of the decks that are posted on the weekly winners page is the first one is a white weenies build that has it. Next is an Azorius control deck, and finally there is the auras. The uh, the Aura's Boggle-like deck. Aura's Ceram deck. And all these, it just... It, one of the main reasons this card is up there in popularity is because it's a good way to combat Demir and Verder from their just the Thassa win, win con right off the bat. You have a Gideon out, you cast this, your opponent has to figure out how to take out a Gideon before they drop their Thassa's Oracle. Yeah, and it's a, and it's a three cost, and you can... Do a Nig Zero right away and get that emblem. It's not like, oh, hey, I gotta wait four turns before I get this emblem. And then Gideon is now gone. Right, right. It's really good. Okay, so number three, we have Orem's Chant coming in at $14.49. It's up 90.16%. And this looks like the Plane Shift set? Yep. PLS? Yep, Plane Shift. Okay, so for single white. At instant speed, with a single white kicker, target player can't play spells this turn. And if you paid the kicker cost, creatures can't attack this turn either. Pretty interesting card. I like it. Yeah. This card is also jumped up in price as a way to make sure that your combo makes it through whatever your opponent has. Same reason for Silence last week, I think it was. When Silence uh, was jumping up in price, it was one one of the ways to stop your opponents from interacting with your combo, and this is another one. Though note, this says that your opponents can't cast spells. Doesn't mean that they they, they can still activate abilities. So 
an, an example on here. Uh, there's an example on here talking about someone witnessed a combo player losing a game because he forgot his opponent had a curse catcher, and curse catcher reads sacrifice curse catcher, counter target instant or sorcery spell unless its controller pays one. And that can just really get anyway. So you got Curse Catcher, Mausoleum Wanderer that you could do that off the top of my head. That's kind of like that. So be wary of that. Judge is familiar. Judge is familiar. That you forget to sack all the time. Oof. It's true. So will that stop Thassa? No, this doesn't stop Thassa. It's players can't. Like, you're wanting to play Thassa when you cast this. Like, you cast this first, and your plan is to play Thassa so your opponent can't interact with, like, countering Thassa or stifling the ability. Yeah, yeah. but, I mean, can you respond to that with this to stop Thassa? No, because it's already been cast. This would be on the stack after Thassa was cast. Yep. You'd have I to. suppose. Yep. If you, wanted, if you wanted to counter Thassa in white, you'd have to play Manatithe. I suppose. So this week's weekly winner list has five weekly winners which is pretty interesting i like it a lot so number four we have flash jumping up to four bucks 15 cents an 82 percent increase of what it was earlier last week flash is a blue one instant speed you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield if you do sacrifice it unless you pay its mana cost reduced by up to two to generic mana the version in uh, the version that we're talking about is the Masters 25 edition that has jumped up so much, sitting at that 415. This card is not legal in modern or in uh, it's banned. Yeah, so MIR. It, what's MIR? Mirage. Oh, I was gonna say I was yep. like Mirrodin. No, that's legal. And I was like, no, okay, never mind that. Yep, so legal so, only in Commander. Restricted and vintage. Yep. So it's the the only place that this is getting played is in Commander, and it is notorious for the Flash Hulk combo. And the Flash Hulk combo is you cast Flash, and then from your hand you have a Protein Hulk, which is green green five for a six six beast that reads. When Protein Hulk is put into a graveyard from play, search your library for any number of creature cards that total converted mana cost six or less and put them into play. Shuffle your library. So this is just pretty much a two-mana insta-win con with, with multiple variations of three different creatures. The one that's highlighted here is like the Cephalid Breakfast combo from like a legacy that's been improved but it's a uh, cephalid illusionist that you would find with the uh, protein halt gets uh, sacked from the flash ability cephalid illusionist is a blue one cephalid wizard one one whenever cephalid illusionist becomes the target of a spell or ability put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard and then it has an activated ability of blue two tap this turn prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to and dealt by target creature you control. That one, not as big as the first one. When it gets targeted, you mill. The next card in this pro er, in this protein hulk combo is Nomad Encore, which is a white one one soldier creature that reads you pay zero. The next one damage that would be dealt to Nomad Encore this turn is dealt to target creature you control instead. You redirect that you, know, you target your cephalid pretty much for zero, and then you mill yourself three. You mill yourself throughout your whole deck, and wait for it. Brrr, you cast Thassa's Oracle again. Thassa's Oracle. <laughs> you can again. How is it not you banned? Can, you can taste my distaste. I don't. It's like how is it not banned? It's not an overpowered card. It's just it's but, just a but it's a boring thing. It's, it's like the whole laboratory maniac thing again of where you're just like milling yourself win the game. Like Labman had his time to shine of being like a way to win. Like don't get me wrong, alternative win cons, they're cool. Yep. And, and this is the new shiny thing that everybody's taking for a test run in like every format. Just like with Jace Wheeler of Mysteries, because he does the same thing. Yep, you have those. You have all those options and stuff. Still, it's just I don't know. To me, it's no longer has the pizzazz that 
Yeah, it's it's everywhere. So it's now okay. Let's move on and get something new. Let's take this card out of the game yeah. and try and find something else. Yeah, because it's taking it's taking over it's every sure. format. Yeah, I wouldn't say taking over. It's showing up. It's showing up. That's for sure. So with this whole protein com- uh, flash Hulk combo, you pretty much on turn two are able to instantly win the game. And this is mainly more for the CEDH community when they have these kind of stuff. You're not going to find uh, the Flash Hulk combo in casual in, in casual EDH as often. You might, but yeah. So because of the, the Flash Hulk, and surprisingly, a lot of recently, a lot of CEDH talk has been happening, bringing more eyes to the competitive EDH format. And people were like, well, this seems pretty nice. And of course, pick up the card, and then it skyrockets in price. But there are also a couple other versions that have not jumped up yet. We have the 6th edition and the Mirage edition. Both of those are still around that $2.50 mark. So if you're looking to uh, looking to pick up some of these, go pick them up now. Because if it's going to be anything like what Doomsday is, Doomsday had the one edition print from last week. And now the other that was cheap last week is now jumped up in price. Give it a shot. Let us know if it worked. So next up we have uh, Indomitable Creativity coming at two ninety nine. It's up fifty seven percent for X and three red. You at sorcery speed you can destroy X target artifacts and or creatures. For each permanent destroyed this way, its controller reveals cards from the top of his or her library until an artifact or creature card is revealed and exiles that card. Those players put the exiled cards onto the battlefield, then shuffle their libraries. So apparently, people have been cheating out Ember Cool this way. Yep, this is just uh, another uh, polymorph style deck. And who doesn't love cheating out a flying spaghetti monster? Right. The Ember Cool is the only creature in the deck, and you're asking if that's the only creature in the deck. How are you getting? How are you getting a creature on the battlefield to target? Dwarven Mine. Dwarven Mine. The deck is called uh, Creative Mining. Or, yeah, the deck is called Creative Mining. It's been popping up online. And what you do is you get the mountains into play, and then you play Dwarven Mine, which is a land from Throne of Eldraine that reads, it's a land mountain, it taps red, Dwarven Mine enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three or more other mountains. When Dwarven Mine enters the battlefield untapped, create a 1-1 red dwarf creature token. And the best part is is it's fetchable too because it's a mountain. Yep. So you can get it with any of your fetch lands like uh, Blood St. Meyer, Scalding Tarn, Arid Mesa, and those are the fetch lands that they're running in the deck. And also on top of that, they are running Polymorph as well. So and Polymorph is a blue three sorcery. Destroy target creature. Can't be regenerated. Its controller reveals cards from the top of his or her library until he or she reveals a creature card. That player puts that card into play and shuffles all other cards revealed this way into their library. They're also running Teferi in this too. Yep. So that way they can do it all at instant speed. Yep. And stop your opponent from interacting with it as well. So you would typically do indomitable creativity for one so one red 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 and then you'd hit the dwarf token that comes off dwarf in mine and get yourself ammer cool all on your opponent's end step yeah there's not much you can do at that point nope surprisingly concede we did not see any of that deck at all this weekend at regionals it's a pretty f- expensive deck yeah well most of the prices are coming from the lands well yeah yep, like always I mean, poor scalding tarns that's going to drive the price up Oh, yeah. Well, it's... Everything else is pretty budget. Like, you got Teferi Time Ravelers, which are the next most expensive thing, and then Emmercools. Those are f- 5.50 apiece. Almost. Oh, the Arid Maces are, are 35. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose they'll land. Well, Emmercools are $11 apiece. There's four of them. Speaking of non-expensive cards, cheap pickups. First off, Murder's Rider. It is now at 564. It's record low and bottoming out. So I would go get them if you're going to invest in them. 
Or are you just needing them for some of your decks? Yeah, they're a good True. utility card. Well, yeah, they are. It's, I've ran into a few of them on MTG Arena, and I absolutely hate them. <laughs> absolutely hate them. Nice way to get around Teferi without having to attack uh, Teferi Time Raveler. Murderous Rider is uh, Black Black 1, 2, 3, Lifelink, Zombie Knight. When Murderous Rider dies, put it on the bottom of its owner's library, and it has an adventure called Swift End, which is Black Black 1, Instant. Destroy target creature or planeswalker, you lose two life. And then it goes on to an adventure, and then you can cast it later. Nothing like a souped-up murder on a stick. Definitely. He's on a horse. Heliod Sundercrown. With a stick. A big, sharp, pointy stick. Another big, sharp, pointy stick wielding motherfucker. Ho! <laughs> Ho! Is Heliod Suncrowned. Sitting at $16.24, record low, and going down slowly. If the whole Pioneer, Ballista, Heliod combo starts picking up uh, a little more, maybe this will start moving up in price. So if you're looking to pick up your Heliods, now might be a good time. You also have the mod- modern decks with uh, Heliod in them. Yep, the Heliod company. Yep, and that uses uh, Spike Feeder in it as well as Kitchen Finks as a card to be gaining life and putting counters on stuff. Yep, infinite life. Good stuff. Good times, good times. Those we saw a couple of at regionals this last weekend. Yep, I got to play against one, and it was not very fun of a matchup. So next up, we have Caracas coming in at $45, record low and going down slowly. This is a land from Legends. It's a legendary land. Tap to add a white to your mana pool. And you can also tap to return target legend to owner's hand. Enchantments on target legend are destroyed. The, uh, yeah, the errated version is it taps for white, taps return target legend creature to its owner's hand. It doesn't hit just legends. It just hits legendary creatures. This had a couple printings as well. Uh, this is the oldest one, and people like the older versions of the card. It got a reprint in Eternal Masters, Ultimate Masters, and it also had a box topper as well. So if you're looking for the cheapest version, Ultimate Masters is the cheapest, sitting at 15 bucks. But if you're looking for that old, that old border, old art, this one is going down in price. So now we're going to move to Deck of the Week. And we all thought... Since Ryan and I went down to Regionals Minneapolis, we would talk about the Titan Ramp deck that won that from Jackson Hicks. So did either of you guys play him? No. No, no I did not. I, I did not. I did play against the Titan deck, though, while I was there. So did I. So this, this is a pretty standard-looking build of Titan. It uh, actually does not have Amulet of Vigor in it at all it just has a four of primeval titan the whole deck's namesake has four of the new dryad of the elysian grove four arboreal grazers and four sakura tribe elders arboreal grazer is a one green o3 beast that enters the battlefield you may put a land from your hand into play and sakura tribe elder is a is a green 1-1-1. One, one, one. You sack it, search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield tap, then shuffle your library. The other spells include Once Upon a Time, Summoner's Pact, th- uh, four Once Upon a Times, four Summoner's Pact, three Explorers, and two Search for Tomorrows. But this deck now has four new slots opened up since Once Upon a Time got banned. Thank God. Don't know... I'm not a Titan player, so I don't know what is going to get filled into that spot next for Once Upon a Time, but definitely excited to see. Now, the big the big bulk of this deck is the lands, and the lands, it has basics of three forests, a swamp, three snow-covered forests, and a single snow-covered swamp, and then all the utility lands that it runs is a single of Bajuka Bog, a single Blaststone, for Castle Garenbrig, which is actually pretty important here. Castle Garenbrig is an important land in this deck. It reads, Castle Garenbrig enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a forest. It taps to add green, and then for two green green, tap, add six green, 
Spend this mana only to cast creature spells or activate abilities of creatures. So you can get a Titan down on turn four with this if you have ramp early game. They have two Cavern of Souls, which will make uh, when mana is used to spend to cast a creature spell of a chosen type, it will make it uncounterable. Has two Field of the Deads, a single Nurturing Peatland, two Overgrown Tombs, a Radiant Fountain, two Valkut, the Molten, Molten Pinnacle, which is an important piece here, along with Dryad of the Elysian Grove, making all the lands, basic land types, in addition to the other types, because Valakut, the Molten Pinnacle, reads, Valakut, the Molten Pinnacle, enters the battlefield tapped. Whenever a mountain enters the battlefield under your control, if you control at least five other mountains, you may have Valakut, the Molten Pinnacle, deal three damage to target creature or player. And then it taps to add red. So as soon as you get five mountains, which, if you have a Dryad of the Elysian Grove, is... All your lands are now mountains. Every land that you play is just a, 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 a lightning bolt to your opponent in the face or a lightning bolt on your creature. And then it has four verdant catacombs to search out the overgrown tomb or the forests. You forgot the ghost quarter in the rot farm. Oh, I did. There's a ghost quarter and a Kukari rot farm. So you must be asking yourself what the black is for as was I. It has a single Grave Titan in the sideboard and two Abrupt Decays, a Fatal Push, and a Cranial Extraction all in the sideboard. Also, don't forget about the Vraska Golgari Queen. Yeah, Vraska Golgari Queen, which came out in Ravnica, Guilds of Ravnica, not Ravnica Allegiance. It is green, black, two for a foil loyalty Vraska Planeswalker, plus two. You may sacrifice another permanent. If you do, gain a life draw card. Nag 3, destroy target non-land permanent with converted mana cost 3 or less. Nag 9, you get an emblem. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, that player loses the game. So the, the swamps in here are mainly for the sideboard interaction with those cards. But this deck looks super good. Titan deck. I'm definitely curious to see where Jackson Hicks is going gonna take this deck to since once upon a time got banned again i'm not a titan player i don't know what will be going in there as a replacement well guys i think that was a i think that was a good podcast right yeah i think so solid good enough for me y'all got anything else to say see you in a couple weeks oh yeah for those that want to know danny is gonna be gone next week just yep yep jb and i recording oh no we'll see how that goes sounds like it's gonna be a crappy episode hey meow just kidding it's not like i say much anyways you're an important member of this team danny oh thank you guys and from that hit that outro so make sure to follow us on all of the social medias. We have Facebook, Twitter, and then if you have questions, comments, concerns, send us a Gmail at thisweekinmtg at gmail.com. We have podcasts coming up every Tuesday on the Tuesday at, what, 5 a.m.? I have it going at 6 a.m. now. Well, fine. 6 a.m. on Tuesday. Listen to it while you're eating breakfast on the way to work. Come on. Or going to bed, depending on your work schedule. No, no, no! Not when we're going. Not when they're going to bed, because then we yeah, could be the li- we could be the last voice that they hear before they go restfully to sleep, or we put them to sleep because we're boring. Yeah, we don't one want of the that. way. Either way, they'll be dreaming of us. Oh, we're inserting ourselves into your dreams. Make Ever. them want to play magic. Learning by osmosis. Exactly. Follow us.